0: Previously on X Men. X-Men, X-Men,
1: Welcome, dear listeners, to a realm where ordinary becomes extraordinary, where the misunderstood become heroes, and where unity conquers adversity. This is the world of mutants, the world of the X Men. Join us as we delve deep into the stories that have captured the hearts and minds of generations. From the gripping battles of the animated series to the live-action films, this is Exposition, an X-Men podcast. Excelsior!
2: Hi, welcome to Exposition. My name is Jennifer Smith. I am here with my co-host, Tim Capel. How are you, Tim?
3: Oh my god, Jenny. The day has arrived. Here we are. The day
2: has arrived.
3: The X-Men's day. Uh, yes. On Exposition, officially, this is our first episode June. so hopefully folks were able to join us for our sneak peek at what the show was going to be that was episode zero mm-hmm. covering the rather ill-fated pilot pride of the x-men but uh with that behind us we're going to get into our show properly because this is a podcast about x-men and other media so not so much the comics themselves but but the x-men and, the, and their footprint on pop culture as a whole and we thought where better to start than with the seminal 1990s animated series x-men the animated series premiered in 1992 and we've got some help for this one as we will hopefully uh, throughout every episode going forward not just you and i on this journey jenny
2: yeah we got some friends that wanted to stop by um we got um let's see who are these guys oh damn it logan we got logan Crossland. how are you
4: damn it logan i'm here uh happy to be here thanks for inviting us uh of course and i'm looking forward to talking to you guys
2: and next up we got suz believe matt Souza. how are you maddie
0: uh, hello, uh, great to be here I, I'm looking forward to learning I'm looking forward to hearing uh, Everybody's uh, uh, encyclopedic Knowledge of X-Men And uh, most importantly, I'm looking forward to hearing Keithy say the word Sabretooth <laughs>
2: <laughs> Speaking of Keithy We got the dark beastie How are you Keith Langston?
1: What's going on? I got my little Wolverine Lego figure given the middle The middle claw Yeah, want the middle claw The middle claw the metal the middle metal the longest one that was the right for i think yeah. for oh, oh, the longest one uh, i am excited to be here i am thrilled this is uh this is totally up my alley uh, for not only nostalgia but also for total geekdom so i bless you both for doing this thank you
2: of course we wouldn't like you know we've been trying to think on this for a hot minute where i have anyway and i finally talked him into it so super (laughs) excited we're gonna we're gonna start with the night of the sentinels part one the whole episode is devoted to part one tim why is that
3: yeah so we're not going to do this for every two-parter because this is a series that is made up of many many multi-part episodes so a lot of these just two-parters. We're going to take as one podcast episode, just because it makes sense to tell the whole story in one episode, right? But I just figured with this being our premiere and it being the show premiere, um, there's a lot to get into here. I mean, a lot to unpack. First impressions are going to go a long way. So we only have so much time, right? This could easily be a five-hour podcast. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. my part if i'm not self-limiting you know yes um, you gotta
2: rein you in a little
3: bit <laughs> yeah you're definitely gonna have to to pull the the, the reins on me um so <laughs> as much as there is to unpack in this first episode i feel like that second one mm-hmm. boy are there a lot of plot developments um i don't know about you guys but after watching this premiere as many times as i've seen it part one of night of the Sentinels. I just wanted to roll right into part two because mm-hmm. how can yeah. you stop there? How, yeah. How do, yeah, it was real
2: hard yourself? to stop. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's we're a, gonna ask I try didn't try stop.
4: That's that, that made even better
1: for me. I, I thought I about watching
2: go. it, but I didn't. No self control. Yeah. Damn it! it was.
1: It's a total. It's a great cliffhanger. I mean, it almost yeah. would have been awesome if they had done that as a finale <laughs> for a season finale. Oh sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well, that's it's a really great built up to. It's it's a great cliffhanger. Hanger. Mm-hmm. Hanger. <laughs> So uh, we will
3: try to try to limit our thoughts to part one of Night of the Sentinels reserve uh, judgment and opinions on part two, which I I already can't wait to get into. But I don't know. Let's maybe get into for our rotating guests, Jenny and I have told our background in X-Men fandom, but we're not so sure about you guys. Seems like a mix of masters and students here. Uh, Keith, you said this show was going to be right up your alley. Uh, what is your background in just X-Men fandom? Are you coming from the comics, from the <laughs> show, from, heck, video games? Who knows? You you tell
1: us. Well, I think, I, I mean, going back real quickly, I would say that uh, I was a kind of a late bloomer to the reading comics where I started kind of later in almost into my adulthood, I was in my early 20s, but I immediately went back and started going to like comic book conventions and just getting back issues and stuff. So reading all the way back to the golden age, basically of the X-Men. Um, I also was really good into like the media. So I got like this awesome uh, DVD ROM of all the old books that they had put like in PDF form. So I could go back and like read them on my computer. But growing up, the X Men video game. It's so funny because I remember one of the first conversations we had about comics. Tim was when we were talking about the X Men video game and the noise the Colossus made when he when he transformed. And I would I was you like, like to
3: tell us how that goes?
1: I don't know. You're the one that does the impression of it. perfectly. Yeah, it is you. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> That's very good. But that was and when River you were and original, on that arcade game. Uh huh. Well, when you had originally said that, I was like, I, "Why does that sound sound so familiar?" And I, I was there like, for that moment. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, I I remember that sound. It was right next to me playing the Simpsons animated game where Marge is beating everybody with the vacuum cleaner <laughs> with the <a laughs> vacuum." <laughs> so, I mean, that's been. I mean, and the X Men comic, uh, the X Men animated show, I watched probably first run, uh, and then um, I immediately I, I bought a bootleg DVD version of it on ebay years ago that i watched like five more times the entire series so yeah and then whenever they put it on uh disney plus i was so psyched that they i started watching it again so it's just oh, uh yes. yeah i mean and then just as far as reading the books i've gone like i said i've gone all the way back to the golden age so yeah awesome. can't get enough thank you so damn it logan how
3: about yourself as a uh... Have you been through this uh, series before, or uh, maybe any of the movies, comics?
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, I, I'm probably going to be the biggest novice on all this. I've never seen the animated series. I've I've never been a huge comics person. I I've gotten into it a couple of different times throughout my life, but um, never never really caught on for me. But I've seen all the movies. Um, I have varying degrees of hatred and varying degrees of love for all of them. Uh, but. I I think Tell like one when one I yeah <laughs> I was I think when I was v- very young I saw this on like Disney Channel or something to that effect. Some, it was on some kind of cartoon type channel. Uh, so I think I've seen a few episodes. Nothing that really stuck out in my mind or anything like that. But um, I, when <laughs> I heard y'all were doing this, I was very excited because it was something that you know I could follow along with you guys and watch along and uh, start to kind of learn a little bit more about about these characters. So uh, really excited when y'all started this for sure.
2: And you introduced your young daughter to it. Yeah, so little Charlie's watching X Men. Yeah, so
4: nice. I, I was I was kind of prepping for this, uh, so I was watching it when she first got up from her nap, and she seemed kind of into it. So, um, <laughs> might be a little afternoon watching that we can do every now and then. So,
3: start a I away. will hurt me yeah. like
2: a little storm, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Cute. Mm. Maybe we could get her hooked by Halloween and then she'll be an X-Men for Halloween. Unless she already
5: chose
4: something she probably already did. Um maybe next year. We'll see what we can do. (laughs) Uh,
3: Time to change still time to change her mind, right? Exactly. (laughs) All right, Matt. That leaves you. Let's let's hear Uh, it. That leaves me. So I I was
0: two when this show first started. So naturally, I didn't see it live. But Mm -hmm. I want to say it was in syndication at some point when I was a kid, because I I don't remember seeing every episode, but I have seen episodes before, like I've seen Night of the Sentinels before. So and then eventually it just kind of went away. And stopped airing in yeah. syndication yeah. for some reason, which was weird because if I remember right, it happened like right around the time the first movie with Hugh Jackman
3: came out. So yeah, it pretty up timing. Its, yeah, it wrapped. It wrapped up its initial series run in uh, well ninety seven, right, and so was off the air for about three years. But then mm-hmm. when the movie came out in the summer of two thousand, sort of a a decent way to kind of co-promote the film was on fox kids to to rerun right. the animated series weekday afternoon so that's when it came back around but yeah I, I don't think it was on for too too long when mm-hmm. they they brought it back it was just sort of probably once that uh, film faded from memory from theaters they, they would have moved on to something else but right that that time frame is definitely i remember watching the show again after a few years of it being off air, uh, mm-hmm. when the movie came back around, which was cool for me, you know, as still then a kid, right? But, um,
0: so like for excellent. me, X Men is probably like if if I had to rank them like top three comic thing for me, like it's it's Batman, it's Spider Man, and it's X Men for me, I'd probably have X Men right behind Batman, is probably my favorite thing. So, so
2: you're a fan of the movies,
0: I like the movies. Uh, most of the movies, sort of like Logan. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. I don't have a blinding hatred for some of them, like Logan apparently <laughs> uh, appears to have. But like, I saw the first movie like probably within a month of it sh- popping up in theaters when I was nine or ten or however old I was. So I, wow. I enjoy all the movies. I enjoy uh, pretty much anything X Men. Uh, I have played uh, the X Men arcade game with yelling Colossus. My local arcade had the mm-hmm. the six button of uh, the six button the six player uh, arcade. Oh man, cabinet. yeah, the Mega Cabinet, um, right? Uh, so we used to play it's that, tremendous. and it's weird you said Keithy because that machine was also right next to the Simpsons machine, so that was very weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, long. so
4: L- Last Stand is the one that I have the absolute diabolical hatred of. It's
0: oh really? Be- huh. That and wouldn't we- have been my guess, but yeah. <laughs> so, w- I mean, while
2: you,
3: know... It's, you know yeah,
2: <laughs> we'll get to it.
5: Yeah, <laughs> we so, will. <laughs>
4: yeah, I'll just say I'll just say this, and then I'll let I'll let y'all move on, but. I don't, like like we've determined throughout many pods, I haven't seen very many movies.
3: Right. Um, Two or three. So,
4: and and mm-hmm. I do that a lot because I only see movies that I think I will like.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: And there were very few movies I ever saw that I didn't at least somewhat enjoy. That was one as That's a child a I walked out of, and I was like, God, that sucked.
3: <laughs> that was yeah, it one. Of them. So it, yeah. wow. it felt especially egregious to you. Yeah. Because yeah, you're yeah. Like, it was this like, This is it... such a waste of time. I only you're supposed to, to my only way.
2: pick good movies, Logan. Yeah. Like, kid brains can't, it was, brain, can't this handle it. On my track record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <This> <laughs> what are we, Imagine what only are we watching good, good movies, though. Well, I have
4: you guys now, and I
2: watch all the bad ones. There you go. I made you watch Showgirls. That was
5: cool.
3: last Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I know you walked out of Showgirls uh, very happy.
1: That's true. We uh, uh, you to that. Yes. Happy wasn't the um, word I was thinking. But... Can I? Can I ask a question of the group here? Um, sure. Out of all the movies, just the movies, what's your favorite movie? And I'll even include like the Wolverine. Uh, all know, right, I was going to ask. I was going to yes. ask. Uh, like if you. I mean, okay, the answer including- I
3: guess is- I guess the answer is Logan. Right? Yeah, for me it is. Um, yeah. And I don't even Logan like Wolverine is, that yes. much. <laughs> yeah. I say that as not even a big Wolverine fan. Logan is far and away my favorite X-Men film. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I'm with you.
2: Yeah, that would be mine. I I think so, but also I have a huge fondness for Last Stand. You know
1: what? As much as Logan hates Last Stand, Last, hand, last Stand is a lot of fun. It's really good. It it's, it's, my brother, it's my brother it's got my brother's favorite quote which is uh Charles said he always wanted to build bridges like he <laughs> loved that. <quote>. He <laughs> it all the time. Anytime but I have a movie, huge fondness for
2: the first movie as well. Yeah, I, just, I, I feel like yeah, i, I watched it so fucking much. Yep, like same.
0: um same. all
2: the little quotes. I remember <laughs> all the little quotes. Um I think I quoted one in our last episode. Um but like and, and Ian McKellen is just like a fucking oh. iconic oh, Magneto.
1: For the like, force, yeah, he's he
2: fucking amazing.
3: Uh, I, I mean, I cannot say a crossword about his his Magneto. No, um, no. It's but as much as I am like a ride or die X Men comics guy, you would think I would hate The Last Stand like way more than Logan does, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of like. Uh eh, it sucks, but I also kind of knew it was going to suck, so... Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I you. Gotcha. So I kind of... <laughs> I'm a kind fast part, too, and James McAvoy. Well, yeah, Mart. you get
3: into the later series. You get into the yeah. later series. So I do appreciate some of the, the fun, just straight-up action nonsense of The Last sure. Stand, even if I view it as a diabolically um, atrocious adaptation of, mm-hmm. like, any particular x-men story right um Mm -hmm. but as a movie it i'm like "Eh, it kind of has its virtues um but again we will as you said jenny
1: yeah
3: get to that and do course Um, we will uh, okay now circling back to the animated series jenny do you remember the name margaret lesh from our Pilot I episode. do. yes
2: <laughs> the one who got the whole shebang started
3: got the ball rolling yeah so she was uh friends with stan lee uh had worked with him on some earlier projects with marvel productions in the 80s and became a real champion of the x-men a fangirl as you put it jenny through mm-hmm. and through was determined to bring x-men to air as a series as far as she got in the 80s was, of course, Pride of the X-Men uh, that we talked about, the rather ill-fated pilots, uh, and she was told time and time again in, in pitching the show to network executives that, you know, comic book characters, they're just too insular, they're they're too introspective, and, and the word, the term that, that would come up over and over was, there's too much quiet drama for, for a children's television show, in and it's so crazy- book? And comic books. It's so crazy that this is the feedback she's getting, right? And I can only imagine that maybe if, if you do think back to comics of that time period, I mean, there are a lot of thought boring bubbles, Superman
2: right. books. Wow. Come
3: on now let's let's not what's <laughs> not attack my God let's not attack you Jenny, <laughs> Jenny I,
2: was I was just guessing what Jenny's you gonna not
0: gonna I be on the animated Superman podcast. Uh, there are
3: like
2: uh,
1: captions I 1000... captions and listen I1,000 percent support Jenny in that <laughs> thank wow. you. Oh, boy wow. Superman can oh, go wow. right, you sorry, fly off.
3: sorry Tim. Well, Sean Kidd Sean is uh, locked in at this Superman point. Superman sucks. Worst character ever. Yeah. Why waste of time talking about him? Um, so, I still love you. but But, like Batman, was one of the few characters who had worked in, in animation. But Superman yeah. and Batman were viewed as the exception. You, you, nothing else works. Spider Man doesn't work. We tried it. The Hulk doesn't work. We tried it. This stuff is only interesting to nerdy 18 year old boys. Unsuitable for children's Mm. animation. Margaret would not hear it. So guess what? She found herself as the president of the brand new Fox Kids Television in 1990. So you would think no longer is she a producer having to pitch this idea to get it sold. She can just straight up commission it. Mm
5: -hmm. That
3: she is now a decision maker, right? So this thing should be able to get off the ground in due course. Uh, but guess what? There's a problem, you guys. What? Margaret Loesch still has a boss that she reports to. <laughs> and right. that boss is none other than a name that will be somewhat familiar to wrestling, specifically WCW wrestling fans, Jamie Kellner. Oh, oh, oh,
5: that
2: <laughs> oh not Jamie Kellner. <laughs> oh,
3: God. Damn it. Who's Jamie, Jamie Kilner? Kellner. In other words, the, the guy from uh, the AOL. network executive behind, yes, AOL Time Warner. Thank you, Logan, who okay. basically decided to cancel WCW. wrestling programming on TNT-TBS mm. after that merger. Oh. So it didn't matter who, who, who was going to own WCW after all that went down. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to have a television slot on those networks because Jimmy Kilner said, we're not doing wrestling anymore. What a fuck. And so, yeah, boy. that was essentially the death of WCW. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this guy's a villain in many people's playbook. Yep. <laughs> uh, as you know, as complicated men figures throughout history go, he uh, it's a little bit more of a mixed bag, I would say, because. He wasn't altogether on board with with Margaret Lesh's idea to do this this X-Men show for, for the then very new Fox Kids Network, but she kept at it. She kept at it, and he's like, you're not going to let this go, are you? She said, no, I'm not, and he asked her, and he pressed her and said, are you willing to stake your job on it? So Ooh. if this thing is not a success, hmm. that's it. You'll walk away. She said, I will. I am willing she my is job. my
2: hero. What a right?
3: fucking she, she believed in the project and the concept to that extent. So and she had a grand vision for this that that X-Men was going to spearhead this entire new genre of action adventure cartoons and it wasn't going to be primarily merchandise driven unlike your mm-hmm. you know your GI Joes your Transformers of the 80s It wasn't going to be juvenile and silly. It would be contemporary and edgy and appeal to both boys and girls with characters that have real problems and themselves feel like real people. In other words, a lot like the X-Men comics, right? Mm. That she fell in love with. Mm. So, And that would, if successful, as part of her grand design, X-Men is going to pave the way for additional adaptations. Things like... A Spider-Man animated series Mm -hmm. done Mm -hmm. more, again, faithfully to the comics. Fantastic Four, Silver Mm -hmm. Surfer, Avengers. Spoilers, you guys. These things all happened Mm -hmm. to various degrees of success at Fox Kids in the 90s. So, a deal was inked on February 17th, 1992, to bring X-Men, the animated series, to air by fall of that same year. That is a crazy that is, production. That is, yeah, crazy. Timeline. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, that is crazy.
2: probably tells it's, us why we have some crazy ass episodes and shit. Yeah. Too.
3: It, it really <laughs> does. It's it's a lot of a lot of the uh, the jankiness that we'll see with this series mm. um, is absolutely Janky. owed to that <laughs> very accelerated production timeline. Mm-hmm.
5: Right.
3: So some of the prime movers and shakers behind the scenes here. Uh, You've got Fox, of course, Fox Kids. They are outsourcing supervision of the show to Saban Entertainment. Uh, And Saban would be notably uh, associated with Power Rangers for fans of that franchise. Uh, But they would uh, employ Graz Entertainment to physically produce X-Men, the animated series. And Korean studio Acom would be subcontracted to handle the actual... Like very labor-intensive animation itself, so mm-hmm. these animation um, errors that we will encounter from from time to time within the show, that's just due to this this you know Korean outfit Acom cranking out uh, episodes of the show animation on a very very tight deadline. So beyond that, you've got a core brain trust uh, that was. Put together very quickly again to meet this aggressive timeline. Uh, Margaret Loche had a had a right hand man, sort of a, a key lieutenant. His name was Sidney Iwanta. Say that with uh, wow. a little Bostonese behind that pronunciation. Iwanta. What did he want? Sidney, uh, what did he wanted? He I want What he wanted, X-Men. right. He wanted X Men, and he Sydney wanted I his. Wanna. <laughs> he wanted his former colleague eric LeWald to run the show so eric okay. LeWald actually wrote the book uh previously on x-men that i've been reading that i'm drawing a oh, lot of this cool. this background information on yeah it's a good read uh sort of a i mentioned it before on our, mm-hmm. our episode zero kind of a almost an oral history of how the show came about with uh, lots of Background details and trivia and, and details behind individual episodes. So, fun stuff. That was published in 2017. So, essentially, Eric Lewalt, he, he worked for Saban, and he was going to serve as executive story editor, which today would be known as a showrunner, basically, for this new series. Uh, now, also involved in this brain trust would be Larry Houston and Will Minio. Now, these guys were longtime X-Men fans. They worked with Margaret Lesh to make pride of the X-Men. So have some history with X-Men and with this creative team. Larry Houston would be director, producer, and storyboard artist. He's the guy primarily responsible for all the little cameos, character cameos, and Easter eggs um, in the background that you'd see throughout this show over many, many episodes and five seasons. Uh, Will Minio was director, designer, production supervisor, just seems like an all-around virtuoso. He he's that guy from, from descriptions in the book, he seems like that guy you need who knows both like the business side of things and the creative as well, who just is instrumental in putting together these these very complicated concepts and making all the jigsaw puzzles pete fit together mm-hmm. when it comes to to a production like this that has a lot of moving parts just seemed like he kept things moving in the right direction and was able to sell people who were maybe not totally on board with with everything these creators wanted to do uh just one of those kind of unsung heroes which he, he gets a, a lot
2: Artists, you mean. Well, not,
3: I mean, a well-intentioned, uh, I don't know if con, if con artist is the right way to put it, but, but he Mm. could, um, he could definitely, um, again, get people to see his way of, of doing things, Mm -hmm. which ultimately, as we will, we will, uh, find out was the right way to do it. Uh, because these guys were, if nothing else, very steadfast and determined, To do it their way or the highway, which is pretty ballsy when it It comes to like this, you know, existing property. And you've got a lot of vested interest. You got a lot of people putting their uh, their own having their own say and and thinking that they know best because they know X-Men. It's like, well, you might know X-Men, but you don't know children's animation. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's just again, it's got to strike that balance. And that's really, again, with this, this particular brain trust brought to the table here. Uh, so, Eric Lewald is tasked with producing basically a show bible, uh, the entire 13-episode uh, first season story arc, and the two-part pilot script in a, a very fast turnaround, basically mm-hmm. Working the entire month of February, uh, burning the midnight oil. He hires immediately uh, writers Mark and Michael Edens, who will be credited uh, throughout many episodes as uh, scripters for X Men the animated series. And they're putting it together as fast as they possibly can, having to make decisions on the fly. Some of those decisions, things like, what X-Men are we going to include, right? Yeah, that's because. a great
2: question. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> this is a this is a series. This is a team with a vast, rich history, many, many, many characters coming and going over the years. Uh, how do you pare that down? Especially when you're not an expert yourself. It's not like Eric Lewald and, and his writers came at this with any... Uh, fandom themselves, knowledge, or any right. yeah, knowledge or affinity for for X Men or the characters, so they're like, where do we start? And they had some guidance, of course, but you've got like a pool of potentially thirty characters you can use, and you've got to whittle that down to you know like a core six or seven. Uh, mm-hmm. Not not uh, an easy task by any means. Does it say? The book,
2: does it say in the book how they come? across or come to make the decisions about which characters to use
3: yes because uh quite fortunately for them things lined up sort of synergistically with the comics where mm-hmm. just a year uh before the show would premiere and summer of, of 1991 you had the relaunched x-men number one by you know superstar artist jim lee that issue that if you have any if you own a comic at all you probably own this one right mm-hmm. it you know sold a record-breaking eight million copies you know has the the five covers uh mm-hmm. very very big deal and that had a very pared down cast complete mm-hmm. with a uh, total jim lee makeover so hot new costumes that were very popular for these characters uh and that was basically what was referred to as the X-Men blue team mm-hmm. under Jim Lee. So that would serve as, as the blueprint in terms of the, the cast for this show. So you had, of course, uh, professor X, you had Cyclops leading the team in the field, uh, Wolverine rogue uh, gambit, a relatively new character at that time uh, beast, and rather than Psylocke, who was on the team in the comics, they swapped her out for Storm and Jean Grey, uh, because they were viewed as kind of too important, right, to dispense mm-hmm. with. They also had gotten, you know, new new makeovers under Jim Lee. They were from the sister. Hot makeovers. Title. Yeah, very hot makeovers, mm-hmm. right? Um, that was just, th- Jim Lee loved drawing his beautiful women. So yeah, he did. That, that brought, some, uh, brought some of that uh, to animation, but uh, they were not part of the blue team in the comics. They were in the sister title, part of the gold team. So we're leaving out uh, teammates Colossus, Iceman, Archangel, and Bishop, but don't worry. Mm-hmm. They will be appearing at least as guest stars throughout the run of the show. So, rounding out the cast, you've got Jubilee, Jenny, and she's going to be mm-hmm. basically serving that same role that, that Kitty did in Pride of the X-Men, where she's right. like a audience Young. surrogate, you could say, yeah, yeah point of view character, um, but the idea was really just to... You know, not necessarily highlight every character to the same extent, that some of these were going to be more background players. Like, of
2: course, Mm Gene
3: Gray was going to be more, Gene would be more like mansion based moral support than Mm -hmm. out on the field, you know. Mm -hmm. doing X-Men missions. Um, Which
2: is dumb considering her base of powers. Yeah. Uh why exactly. would you not use this person in every fucking mission that you
3: have? <laughs> to full, sure. yeah, to her full. But extent, she's the exactly. lady,
2: so of course not.
4: Well, well was it was, these, was it a was it as a surprise uh, that Jubilee was kind of considered the the point of view character uh to you as a reader?
3: Um to me at the time no because okay she was uh, a very new character to the comics and she was as close as you would get again to that, that uh, audience surrogate where she's very young. She's kind of like a kid sidekick sort of thing, which is the role that those Mm -hmm. types of characters occupy. And I didn't know that much history Mm. going into the, I mean, I did watch the show as it aired, um, you know, and, from 1992 on, but I didn't know that much X-Men history at the time going in. So it's not like I was thinking, Oh, why didn't they use Kitty pride? I didn't really know the first thing about Kitty pride back yeah. then. Uh-huh. And it also just, it, it wouldn't have made sense to use Kitty at that point because, you know, comics wise, Kitty was much older by this point. She was a superhero in her own right. She was on an entirely different team So they're trying to line up with the comics in terms of which characters were were prominently featured um, Mm. and could fill these these sort of specific
1: roles uh, for the show. So I just like uh, I like though mm -hmm. that, or I thought it was it was funny watching the pilot and seeing how they really just kind of cut copy paste and like just cut out like. They cut Kitty and just put it in Jubilee and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's like the same yeah. exact character. And
2: basically. And yeah. this
3: has a lot of the same bones as what was mm-hmm. what Pride of the X-Men was intended to be. I'll put it that mm-hmm. way. Before various network meddling and other uh somewhat yeah. suspect creative decisions were made, such as again, Australian Wolverine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it, it's Lord. a little bit more. It's a little bit more what Pride of the X Men might have been like had these guys uh, gotten their way and, and had more creative freedom <laughs> back then. Good day, mate. So, mm, that
2: yeah, that was awful.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> it, you know, things like Beast, uh, he is essentially. A supporting character in the first season. Like we'll mm-hmm. we'll get into this as it goes, but mm-hmm. I mean he kind of he goes down. Spoilers in that second episode, <laughs> and he's going to be kind of taken off the board for for a while, and mm-hmm. appears.
1: He's like, he's like Xavier in every movie.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, right. I mean they yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> they sideline him Uh again. It's just uh, trying to pare down these characters. You can't have everyone in every mm-hmm. episode and. What does Beast bring to the table? I'm sure is what they're they're thinking. Let's maybe at least get through our first season and regroup. So, a lot of these decisions, in other words, are going to be reevaluated and evolve as the show goes on. Like Gene is certainly not going to be a background player beyond mm-hmm. no. maybe the first half of the the first season. Yeah. Um, Jubilee, if anyone really is the one who moves into the the background after mm. we get through right you know our, as our she should honestly and that yeah. makes sense yeah yeah because yeah, she's more of a student right more of an <laughs> yeah. x man in training sort of thing
2: i'm just saying she's not my favorite <laughs> how but
1: dare you how dare you assault a- my namesake like that
2: sue's <laughs> is really good as an intro <laughs> character. i would
1: have much i would have much rather prefer seeing sue on Soobly. uh Soos, excuse me excuse me sue's Believe. there you go yeah but
3: um, she's now, she's really
2: good in this episode. I just I yeah. tire of her very quickly.
3: Mm. Right it, now, is that a thing with you when it comes to just children, teenage?
2: <laughs> 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 <guess> we, can, <laughs> hey, we can
3: generalize it to children. Yes, <laughs> that's fine. But, I kind of
2: yeah. got
4: that. I kind of got her vibe. Yeah, going right, right. So, yeah, she was, she means. was kind of annoying.
3: Eventually, it's not mm-hmm. what you're there for. Mm-hmm. It's really I will not. say that. These these the showrunners were very cognizant of that. Where they they had a lot of, and I don't want to get into all the like guiding principles that they came up with as as they were putting the show together. But but one of them was, don't write down to children. Right, anything Good. that I love if,
2: that I love you know, that.
3: Yeah. Anything that, and think about it. Think back to your own childhood. That's why Anything the show was labeled, so popular. You could tell right away they didn't do that just from yeah. this first episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if it had been labeled, hey, kids, comics, mm-hmm. hey, kids, mm-hmm. for you. Anything that when you're a kid that's labeled for kids, you're mm-hmm. like, that's stupid. That right. sucks. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to read yep. that. Dumb
4: baby shit. <laughs> dumb baby. Yeah, it's yeah.
3: it's going to be dumb baby sh- Exactly. It's going to be mm-hmm. dumb baby shit. I don't mm-hmm. want any part of it. And so they distance themselves from that as much as possible. I mean, they still have broadcast standards and practices to deal with. Mm-hmm. It is still a, a children's show, but as much as possible, they're, they're trying not to dumb it down for, for kids.
0: Ah, uh, fuck the kids. Where's the blood and violence. Well,
3: yeah.
1: and, and you want to know something? In my opinion, I think that's a smart move because Me too. kids, kids that are reading comics, are a lot more attuned to adult themes. And that's Mm. been going on all the way back into, like, the Stan Lee days where he was writing, Mm -hmm. where he was writing adult themes in comic books. And you had kids... I mean, remember, like, the death of Gwen Stacy was when a lot of... of, Not even us, because, I mean, it was before even I was reading and even before I was born, I think, the death of Gwen Stacy happened. But -uh. there were... No, nah, because I think it was, like, the early to mid-70s.
2: When 70- were you born, Keithy?
1: 79. I'm, not, I'm, like, I'm old, but I'm not that old. I'm not, you know.
2: <laughs> I'm going to well, fact check y'all now. Keithy's oh, a spry
1: 83 years old. You know what? Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the death of Gwen Stacy. Well, no, wasn't. I mean, it is
3: the early 70s. That, that it that is, right? Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, but that's what I'm saying is that, like, the death of Gwen Stacy, uh, you know, that's like was a that was a major like, adult theme in a children's comic. And so I think that that's a smart move that they didn't dumb this down for kids mm-hmm. and make it be like, you know, like you're watching the Backyardigans because it's like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. But it's
1: nice. Well, I like every every parent. <laughs> that
2: reference. A, <laughs> I love a good it. Good
1: reference, but I mean, oh, a my great
2: music on that show. Just saying. Yeah,
1: no, it was a great show, but it's a great it show a for great kids. Show. Yeah. you know, and that's the whole thing is that like this didn't need to be written for kids because any kid any kid quote unquote kid that's watching this chances are they're reading the comics and they're already well aware of things such as like mm. the dark Phoenix saga
3: well, yeah. or, you know, the and Angel if they're not, stuff. yeah. And if they're not, they this learn. may very well, it may very well steer them towards the mm-hmm. comics. Right? Exactly. Def- oh. I'm
2: sure it did for a oh, bunch yeah. of
3: kids. Yeah. Yeah. Look, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, this, is, guy this is
1: a, this is what a Gen X, this is a Gen X show. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, uh, like, oh, hello, is...
2: we're elder millennials. Some well, of us. Well,
1: yeah. this is that. This is basically like a Gen X, I guess, elder millennials, if you want. But that's where uh, that line. the Tell elder that line. millennial. I just hate saying millennials. It's just such uh-huh. a how dare you. Fine. But but I think that well, that's why I like... hate being them. So, <laughs> but that's but this is like all right. So actually, here's a better one. This is the latchkey kid version. Okay. okay. Last key kids were much more advanced than I yes. think they are today.
2: Yes. Yes, agree.
3: Yes. Well, we were we were readers, right? If nothing else, we were that we were true. readers if not comics um then something because our parents made us and there were limited <laughs> options for recreation <laughs> and entertainment. So, yeah, there, there's a certain maybe sophistication that is expected of the audience going into this. And if you're not there, maybe it will, maybe it will take you to that place uh, because this, the show really doesn't hold anything back. It's not going to handhold you uh, at most. It's going to serve as an introduction to this world, to the themes, to the characters and the conflicts. Think of the, the central conflict as well. When you go back to the, the sophistication and maturity, of comic books i mean say no more when it comes to to x-men this is going to be the first exposure a lot of kids are going to have to the concept of prejudice and racism Mm -hmm. and being different yep and being treated badly because you're different in some way i mean that's heavy stuff and yeah Mm -hmm. i was not going to shy away from it it's again one of those guiding principles
2: I think it taps into like kids' natural empathy a little bit too, because mm-hmm. they will be like, "Oh, you know, like they're being they're being hated because of who they are," and I think that kids sort of, kind of naturally go, "That's not right," you yeah. know. They don't yeah. they don't like yeah that, you, sense, you of just, that, that sense of just that it definitely puts you, you on the mutant side automatically. Right,
1: yeah. right. Well, just remember, it's, kids are kids are taught to be bigots and racists it's not something that's inherent you know inherent like at birth and i think that's Mm -hmm. i think that's what stanley tried to impress upon was that i think so too if if that you can if you can have kids go into this with an understanding that these are these are human beings that are just getting belittled and tortured and 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 beat up because of they're different and how many times do they say in this in this episode they said at least twice they were like it's just you people you know you don't you don't. You don't like your
2: kind. Yeah, yeah
1: and then and then mm-hmm. you know people fear what they don't understand, and it's just mm-hmm. it's so but true. Very simply and succinctly. Yeah, it's and just you so could strange. love
2: any number of peoples in that group. You know, you could anything, oh, yeah. anybody really. <laughs> you could could empathize universal, with that. right? Right.
1: You, you could put just straight white teenagers in that. Anything. That, yeah,
2: that and that's you what know,
3: like, that's what initially. Kind of got the whole ball rolling for for mm-hmm. Margaret Les. She's like, who feels more ostracized and, and alienated and, and like an outcast than just a, a teenage teenage kid. Kid, a teenage kid? Yeah, you know. So, so it feels on that level, mm-hmm. whether true or not, right? I mean, right. that experience is some of them very different yes. from mm-hmm. <laughs> being a legitimate like racial or ethnic or right. sexual Agreed. minority or something. But still, right. you don't know when you're a kid. You just feel. You just feel different. You feel mm-hmm. maybe like you're wrong in some way or the world doesn't understand you. It's all baked in there. Mm-hmm. And this is like a good starting point for, for that kind of education, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, there's a lot more we can get into here as far as uh, just the the conception of the show. I mean, my God, the iconic uh, score, the theme, yes. right? It's uh-huh. uh, yeah. so, like, talk so about that- just... <laughs> Nailing something. Like, oh god, it, from, it just, it's so the, good! Yep. God, from the jump, when that's the first thing you're greeted with, your first exposure to the show is going to be that just fist pumping oh, And I'm, no, god, I must no say, lyrics, no lyrics. <laughs>
0: if you uh, if you go back and watch this show, and if you skip that intro, you are a humorless ghoul. Oh no! Never,
2: no, never
3: hit skip intro. No.
2: do it's, not do yeah. it. 'Cause you can't I mean, even different. watch it. Like you literally can't you no. you can't even get in the mind space to watch X Men without the fucking song. Oh right. like right. you have to have the song.
3: It just gets you hyped. It's so yeah.
2: great. Like it, it never gets old. I mean, on a loop mm-hmm. for the rest of my life, I can fucking listen
3: to it. Not <laughs> even just have it as a soundtrack to your just to your not, life no, and daily activities.
2: I legit rock out every single time i hear it, it was so hard to make the opening thing song for this fucking podcast <laughs> cuz i just kept listening to it over and over again i <laughs> mean it
1: this, this ha- is this is this the best cartoon theme of all time
2: it's fucking gotta be
1: if it's not it's,
3: it's like, there. I, <laughs> I, I think we all have an inherent bias here but i don't know what for my I, what, money, I don't know what's better. What? Maybe
2: something yeah. Better. What, what?
0: I can't what? think of any off the top of my. I head. I mean,
1: I can Just, think. Well, oh, The Simpsons head, maybe.
2: Huh? The Simpsons maybe. Yeah, I was gonna
1: say like The Simpsons. Oh, shield your ears, Tim. Sorry. I would say, Sorry, no, but I would. Well, but it's an not iconic. Not a kids' show. Team. Not a kids' <laughs> show. It's an iconic show, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not a, a kids' show thing, that's it's right. been on for almost forty years. I mean, right. yeah, you have He-Man, GI Joe, Transformers like those transformers, are all, yeah, yeah. transformers is close yeah and then i mean but then even just like no this is this is like the spider-man theme is is mm-hmm. fun but it's not as, like, yeah, it's, as this. Uh-uh. yeah no i
0: exactly.
3: mean that that batman the animated series just,
2: i do love that the
3: opening yeah. itself the opening itself is so well crafted, so but yeah in terms
1: it's of different. just different
0: it's very different than this it's
1: very it different, different. It's, not, yeah. it's not let's put it this way no one's driving on the highway putting the batman in that shit yeah i could totally totally see jenny on like a sunny day
3: (laughs)
2: hanging
1: down the driveway on this oh
2: for (laughs) sure
3: i mean this has covers all over youtube by like amateur musicians like like, a metal versions
1: are so cool yeah Uh, it's it's up there it's up there with like the greatest it's like when people when you hear like acoustic versions of the mario theme. It's like that. It's just one of those themes that's so, yeah, so artistic and iconic that people (laughs) still cover it to this day.
2: I tweeted today that I was in a shitty mood and that the theme um, cured me and healed me. Mm. Um, And then I got a response. <laughs> which was a video of somebody putting lyrics to the theme, which I thought was really oh. funny. Oh, my.
5: I've got to check that out.
2: Pretty funny. It's on that thread on Twitter. Yeah.
3: Um, well, I'm thinking back know, to this just... Pride of the X-Men lyrics, which, yeah. uh, again, it, it's still a little, little bit of a, a bop, but doesn't mean It, really it is. is. It
2: really is. I, I so
5: imagine. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I, was, I imagine the lyrics are just like naming the uh, naming, yeah, the, uh, this that was
2: Wolverine.
4: This
5: Wolverine. This <laughs> it's like that song, Storm, storm, from
4: right, like storm, storm from in the control. end of Mortal
0: Kombat.
1: <laughs> we go to rescue, you gotta, watch,
2: you gotta watch that video. Yeah, gotta watch it's, it's it, so it. funny. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, let's just say they, they took a lot of passes at this before they felt like they got it right to the point of they, they were kind of driving the um contracted um musical supervisors insane just going back to the drawing board over and oh really over. no it's still not still not there um i've i've read varying conflicting sources on that so it's a little bit hard to say for sure it does get a pretty extensive uh like the history is covered pretty extensively again in that Previous mm-hmm. X Men book, uh, but again, like I said, suffice to say, they just they could they felt like they couldn't get it right, um, mm. it, and especially the, trying to blend the, it.
0: It was the Sergeant Pepper's of animated tv films. <laughs> Yeah,
3: really, uh, and trying to blend it with the animation too, where it's it's got it's it's so fast paced, right? Yeah, and, it is. And you got so much happening on screen you've got all the characters and then, you know, their names coming up and you see them in action. And it's like, if it doesn't gel with, with the animation, then it's even if it's, if, if it sounds, you know, pleasing to the ear, it's still not going to work. And those are mm-hmm. the types of problems they were running into. Gotcha. Uh, but when they, they knew they got it right when they heard, you know, the finished product, it was like, okay,
2: yeah, no this notes. Is it.
3: This is it. Yeah, yeah No
2: notes. <laughs> thanks everybody. So, i'll be like you're a fucking genius
3: um you know we can talk about the the voice cast as well but i figure we can kind of get into that as as we yeah. go talking about the episode itself right yeah we're not gonna uh, go scene
2: by scene but um no yeah. no
3: i just yeah I, I i mean i've seen this episode ten thousand million times mm-hmm. uh i mean in right. you know re, from re-airings from from uh recording it, watching it on Disney Plus. Uh yeah. I, I think I've got it on DVD. It just I, I can't tell you. I, I got the uh the the special creator's choice X-Men Pizza Hut promotion. Wow. Which what? Yeah. So we gotta talk about this at some point. Yeah we do <laughs> I
2: don't Pizza know. Hut. know what the fuck that is.
3: This was amazing. Pizza, it was, it was like book it but for mutants. It was no, it really was. In the nineties, Pizza Hut did no less than two X-Men promotions. <laughs> so no less than two. <laughs> two. And the first one they they literally sold um this is a special promo tying in with, with the animated series. Uh a VHS tape. Uh that there were two. The the first one had the first two episodes. And the second one, I I think had episodes three and four. I didn't have the second tape, so I couldn't I couldn't tell you. And what was neat about those is they had a wrap. The, these uh, these VHS tapes would have a wraparound at the beginning and end. It was like a roundtable discussion interview with Stan Lee and okay. the then contemporary X Men comics creators. So, That's now, really don't cool. Get, don't get too excited because it oh. wasn't like Jim Lee and <laughs> Chris Claremont and those guys. They had moved on by then, right? Uh, so it was sort of the
2: the B team. I don't know, know
3: the the scab writers and artists that they brought in after. <laughs> I say that but those guys. had Can, very long I, can
1: I interject with one thing about Pizza Hut? Uh, so yeah. So the year before that, or two years before that, they did a they did a a collaboration with the turtles where it was the uh-huh, coming out of uh-huh. their shells tour the coming out of their shells yeah teenage Mutant and i Stirls, I, yep. I fucking made my parents there was like a pizza hut like way up on route 1 which that's a very hyper local reference that probably only susa would get uh-huh, Yeah, like it was like way up on route 1 like nowhere near my parents house and i made my parents drive me up there so i could buy the tape I was remember the, I just remember the freaking going to Pizza Hut and being like, "Can I have the coming out of their shelves teeth? <laughs> 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 no, no, Pizza Hut was apparently ahead of the curve making. Uh, Pizza really Hut were. was
2: the like epitome of pop Dude. culture. Yeah, in that like time.
1: they were they were making doing mass production.
3: They things. They had land so.
2: before time lockdown. Yeah. I I remember that. Nineties
1: Pizza Hut could get
2: it. It yeah. was fucking yeah. It yep. was. Land, yeah, land before like time.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Mm-hmm. I on, remember land before time. Yeah, we need to bring oh that God. shit
1: back. Pizza Hut we needs really to start do. doing that shit again. Like they, they need need to to get why, it. Why together. would they
2: not? Why was yeah. it Pizza Hut though? Didn't they
4: eat dominoes on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies? Did
1: I they? think they did. I think mm-hmm. they did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think right. that's pretty, Yeah, that's yeah that's definitely the, the first they, one
4: because when they slide it down to the uh, through yeah, the the street, uh it's dominoes,
3: yeah, it's the old Domino Globe. It's Domino's, like, yeah. Domino, you know, I think Pizza Hut sat it out. They were like, Yeah, this movie's gonna be a turd. <laughs> uh, <we don't> you <laughs> know, the
4: funny thing is, is on that tape though, I'm pretty sure there was a Pizza Hut commercial before the movie started. You know, how
3: they, I think you're like, right about that. That.
2: Right, Sounds yeah. yeah,
3: right, yeah, yeah.
1: I bet you as soon as the first movie came out that Pizza Hut went and decided yeah, to it. Yeah, they said,
2: yeah. It was like,
1: from now we on, doing? we'll be your sponsor. We'll be your sponsor. They the should sponsor. do it. New- they should start that up again. Like, what's a new thing Hell that yeah. Pizza Hut could like, but, like collaborate. Well, they
2: with. have the new turtles. Like, why? Right. Would they they, not the just they got the new
1: turtles. They got the new X Men show coming out. We're basically. about to have new X Men. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we I have launched... Third X Men promotion.
2: Do you know how many forty year old men would be all about that <laughs> oh, shit? Absolutely. I know. I mean, look, I let's know. put it
1: absolutely. this way: everybody complains about whatever pizza they order and eat anyway. Yeah. So who yeah. gives a shit? Just start doing doing like awesome, massive collaboration. The pizza.
3: It's been weak for a minute. Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. Like, they, they need to up their game. Ass. Come this on. would yeah. Yeah. it
2: would make them so much fucking money. Just nostalgia alone. Absolutely. And I don't, 100%. I don't know. I mean, fuck. We need to Get call it, somebody who. <laughs> let's call Sean Kidd. He probably knows I was gonna somebody. Say, do we know. have? Do you know <laughs> anybody that has connections? Right. I mean, that technically <laughs> that is in
4: the family. I'm pretty yeah. sure. So.
2: I think it is. Yeah. Anyway, well, I got I'm, very I'm excited for, about I'm, that. Damn! Idea. I would be
1: so excited. I'd be first in line for the long-awaited sequels yeah. to coming out of their shells. Hell yeah. Still oh coming well, out of their shelves, they'll call it. No, the oh my called, God. The sequel will be called going back into our shelves. <laughs> now, I
2: nobody will get it. <laughs>
3: nobody, nobody we, you know what? The 40 year olds will get it. Yeah. Um, that's <laughs> I just turned 40, so what, what right. can I say? Right. Uh, and everything hurts. I'll um, let you know how it's like when I get there. I, I think I am I think my mutant powers are emerging. I I know mm. that usually happens at adolescence. Uh, maybe it was a delayed we'll onset late.
1: mutation. We'll, so Tim, uh, Tim's mutant powers come out when he hit menopause. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Oh my god. That's a comic book. That is a comic book. <laughs> wow. It really is. That I yeah. can right that. Somebody comic needs to book. do something with yeah. Keep
3: that. Keep to get on the. Holy
2: shit. <laughs> Oh, my God.
3: Oh, uh, Your body's going through changes. You know?
2: Yeah. Uh, look. Yeah. I- I can and hear you're yourself. feared and hated by those.
1: You're feared and hated by those around you. I'm just picturing, like, the golden girls with, like, mutant powers.
2: Like, Holy shit. Blanche. That is a genius idea.
1: Blanche. Oh, Blanche, I have. Surely
2: someone cl- has thought of this.
1: Yeah. Blanche, I have claws coming out of my hands. I don't know what to do.
2: Dorothy. Okay, we're getting this in the room. I'm throwing oh. hair everywhere,
3: <laughs> Now, I have to tell you about one of the uh, many roadblocks that this show faced and, you know, being brought to air here in 1992. I mean, months are slipping by now. It's like we've, mm-hmm. we've got to have this thing ready for, for our fall 1992 premieres on Fox Kids. And... <laughs> I had mentioned that uh, the prominent creators, those guys like Chris Claremont and notably Jim Lee, had actually moved on <laughs> by the time mm-hmm. this, this series premiered. And Jim Lee and several other uh, very, very hot superstar artists had left Marvel in a very big way in 1992. And Marvel was none too thrilled with them. Mm-hmm. so it was kind of like Jim Lee was in now he's out and all of a sudden the the brain trust so to speak is getting memos from Marvel Comics saying no more of these Jim Lee designs he's out we're pissed you got to go in a different direction mm-hmm. and it's like we can't No, we're too deep into this we can't change it now and they're like you have to change it and so this was another one of those great. Uh, Coups, I guess you could say from Jenny, as you put it, the <laughs> con artist Coups, coup d'etat uh, Will Minio, he says, alright, you know what, they're so insistent we change it, fine, we'll change it. He purposely came up with the shittiest most awful juvenile <laughs> ridiculous redesigns just on the fly, like, like sub Hanna-Barbera 70s crap. Uh. That no one, no one could ever possibly sign off on. And this was a risk, right? Because Marvel might have said, yeah, cool, whatever. Just as long as it's not Jim Lee, we don't care. But he was he was pretty confident that everyone would hate it. It was like, okay, here you go. You said we had to change it. We changed it. And uh, luckily, um, they did not call his bluff. Uh, it's like ooh yeah. I don't know if yeah. That's work. Never mind. <laughs> Jim Lee was here to stay, whether whether he was Thank still God. working for Marvel or not. His his uh his hand would be all over the series, uh, and that would be. I mean, this is pretty much the the house style of the X Men, and and would serve as really the character models, and whether in, in print or in animation for many many years. Right, this is what people picture when they they picture a lot of these characters so we have arrived on the fateful day october 31st 1992 it's halloween it's halloween morning you guys Mm -hmm. saturday morning you're watching your cartoons you've been getting hype for about the past month or so because fox kids have been running promos for this this new this new show called x-men what what the heck is x-men you get a special sneak preview. That's what they described it as. You get a sneak preview of X Men Saturday morning on Halloween at eleven a.m. Eastern time. I, of course, am glued to the television. Mm. You know, as someone who is really into the X Men comics at that point, sort of off and on X Men comics, I would say, but into the toys, uh, love the video game. I'm an X Men fan, and. Holy shit! This was this was like I don't know, like like doing a, a line of blow for for a little kid. I feel like I don't know how else to describe it. Wow. It's just, for the Lord. it was a jolt to the system watching this from Sounds end like to end it. for the for the first time. I mean, I can remember oh. just, oh God. <laughs> it it was just it was everything I, I thought it could be and God. wanted it to be, and I, it it's just awesome from the jump right it's yeah it's it's an unbelievably effective adaptation i Mm -hmm. say what you will about like just the quality of the show the writing how it compares to some of the other greats like you know people go back and forth batman the animated series or x-men uh and i think batman has more of the more of a a prestige sort of reputation Mm -hmm. and maybe holds up a little bit better today uh but in terms of just being a, a very successful adaptation of an existing property, I don't think anything has nailed it like X-Men the animated series, especially again for guys who did not have much of a background other than you know a few guys like Larry Houston, again, Will Minio, but primarily the writers and the showrunners just coming at this cold and having to pick and choose what to emphasize what characters to use um, and just getting the concept, the core themes that, that, that conflict, the human mutant relations like they do, man, do they just Mm -hmm. nail it? I mean, Mm -hmm. hit the ground running and nail it like, like none other. So I don't know. Uh, I want to hand it over to you guys at this point in terms of just talking about this episode itself as a premiere, as an adaptation of, x-men comics like where well, are let's you guys run down what
2: happens in the episode um real quick sure before... uh, so
3: we are first going to be introduced and by the way <laughs> i wasn't gonna go there but mm-hmm. i feel like it needs to be said <laughs> um if this episode as it was written and presented and aired in 1992 happened today with no alterations This would be called the most woke, forced (laughs) diversity, agenda-pushing, snowflake, (sighs) liberal garbage, right? Yeah. Because because the first character we meet is a Chinese-American teenage girl, Jubilee, right, Mm -hmm. with firework powers. Uh, the next two a foster named child. characters right. a fo- and a foster child. She has white parents, white foster parents. The next two named characters we meet are, again, who would be described as a totally OP African-American woman who can mm-hmm. control the weather <laughs> and a white chick with Superman powers, right? Right. What a Mary Sue. Mm-hmm. These these are the X Men, right? These these women. right. What these are three doing? women, yeah. These two, these three, totally diverse from various different backgrounds and incredibly powerful women in a show called X Men. What is this garbage? I, I mean, that's... thank
2: you, Margaret, because I feel like that's Margaret. <laughs> right.
3: Mm. I mean, I'm
2: that, just gonna say thank be... you, Margaret, whenever I have these moments where I see uh, the the girl I think power. That
3: that sums it up nicely. So thank you Margaret it, it, it moment. It really does. And but look, this is this is what X-Men is. It's it's a group of again, very diverse characters, men and women. Some of the best X-Men are in fact women. <laughs> Most of yep. them. In fact. And the the show does not shy away from that at all. So it's it's very in your face uh, about that and it just goes to show what absolute bullshit that line of criticism is because this happened in 1992 without a word of controversy it was just mm-hmm. oh, okay that's a little bit different mm-hmm. right if anything it's viewed as a little bit progressive and mostly it's just looked at as yep that's what x-men comics are like
2: well when you frame so, it when when you frame it in mutants versus humans and you put all mm-hmm. these powers on it, it takes away, you know, some of the right the relevancy kind of to like normals who are not reading this stuff.
3: Yeah. You know? And and although the mutant thing is is a metaphor, it's you know, it's a, a stand-in, a creative mm-hmm. choice to substitute for whatever anything real world real world minority right but mm. it's a little bit toothless and it's a little disingenuous if you're if you're actual x-men if you're mutants are not themselves represented by people from different backgrounds right exactly just, yep. it makes sense that okay for this to they're
2: not all going to be gain white.
3: any traction they're not all going to be white people except for the yeah. fact that they're mutants like that would be exactly that would, that would just be like okay you're you're just trying to have your cake and eat it too right mm. And so I thought it was very smart in terms of the first characters that we meet. Uh, we get to know, we get to know them from these very brief introductions very well. I thought, uh, I mean, rogue with that signature Southern accent.
2: I love her. Uh, accent. So Logan hard.
3: from, from your neck of the woods from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how authentic you necessarily <laughs> found mm-hmm. this, uh, this voice acting, but that is the voice I hear in my head. Yeah, it's it's
2: charming. It's charming. I no, like it. no,
4: no. It's okay. I like the accent, but I don't know how Mississippi it is. I'll put it that way. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs>
5: well,
2: it's just the, southern uh, anyway. It's just
1: very. You know, I know. Yeah. I know the actress doing the voice was not this person, but she sounded like Dolly Parton to me.
2: She has a, a, a Dolly, dolly in there, yeah. quality to her. Mm-hmm. Yep.
3: but all of these voice actors, by that. the way, are are Canadian. So oh, really? they're all Canadian doing accents, basically. That's yep.
2: crazy. That's You're a crazy.
3: mutiny. So, if anything, Wolverine is the most authentic <laughs> he's ever been in this case. <laughs> no longer Australian. True. And yeah. everyone else is sort of, um, again, a, yeah. So, Do you want to uh, read
2: the the rundown of what happens in the EP, and then um we can kind of talk about it from there?
3: Yes, absolutely. So Jubilee is being pursued uh by. Uh, a gigantic robot called a sentinel because she is part of the mutant registration program it's a quasi government agency it's interesting the show goes out of its way to say that they're not an official government not part of the Mm -hmm. government yes i I think that's maybe the show trying not to like condemn the government or make Mm -hmm. it seem like there's a a government conspiracy because they Mm -hmm. do go out of their way to say oh no this is a private Organization that's like funded by the government. My how so, it's changed um, over the years. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but basically, it's this—it's this organization that's keeping tabs on mutants, and apparently, it is now targeting mutants. In the case of Jubilee, uh, who's been placed with this Foster family, um, her powers are uncontrollable. Uh, she again feels uh, very alone in the world because of this, and now she is she is on the run leads to a great uh, action set piece at a mall again this is where we great great piece and store mm, and gambit mm. gambit is also here and he is um well i love him he's sexy as
2: fuck
3: <laughs> isn't he his sexiest his, cartoon
2: character, character
3: introduction it, it consists of making a masturbation joke
2: it does uh-huh. it really does
3: um he's he's flirting with the store clerk he's mm-hmm. he's buying some new playing cards what's this guy's deal we may not necessarily know but uh those cards are going to come into play uh very frequently with this character so this rampaging robot sentinel bursts through the mall we get this fight scene with uh again the these three x-men and jubilee Kind of goes badly for them, but it also seems like they're trying to limit the collateral damage as much as possible because they are, again, inside a mall where people are running and screaming and fleeing for their lives. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after the Sentinel kind of makes short work of, of these X-Men, uh, it's it's left to Cyclops to sort of um, do do the light work here as as Jubilee basically runs right into him, collapses, because she has been gassed by the Sentinel. Cyclops blows its head off. That's the end of that. We catch up later at the X-Mansion itself, where Jubilee regains consciousness and makes her way, unfortunately, to the Danger Room, where we see, once again, Gambit, and making his debut, finally, walking on screen uh, and, and greeted with uh, an introduction that all of the, or the viewers, I'm sure, are thinking <laughs> by Gambit. There you are, Wolverine. Yeah, Wovy. We'll mm-hmm. So at last we meet uh, who will become our, our signature X-Man, I guess, and most popular character. Wolverine, he's having a sparring session with Gambit. Uh, Jubilee doesn't know this, of course, thinks that they are in mortal peril <laughs> in combat for their lives. And she blasts Wolverine, gives everyone a good laugh. Wolverine is pissed. But this is going to be the beginning of a long, long. He's petty. He's always he's petty. petty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always, always with something to say. Always with the he, attitude.
2: It's the short man syndrome. That's all it is. It is how the short
3: d- man. How dare because, you. yeah. That that bitch well, sorry,
2: Maddie. Thing. I feel attacked. <laughs> but this but you're not. This you're not hostile now. to people, so you right, don't have of course that. Not. I'm nothing he,
0: like Wolverine.
4: He is. A, he is kind of angry. I won't lie. Not it's, mo- it's mostly you, uh, really. Oh, I know.
3: <laughs> y'all been busting
2: for a hot minute. We we'll need y'all to tone exactly. that
3: down. Like you're like Jubilee and, and Wolverine in this this mm-hmm. episode. Um, it's
0: all in good fun. I love Logan. <clears throat> yes.
3: We should. Yeah, you raise a good point. Uh, in that uh, Wolverine, not the six foot tall glass of water Hugh Jackman in this series. No. He We're... is comics accurate, like five foot three Wolverine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's. He's quite short. But,
2: but, but uh, talk to me about scrappy. talk to me about Morph. Is this this guy's name?
3: Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he's one of the X-Men we pull up with. So, so we're meeting various different characters in the mansion. Yeah. Beast, everyone knows Beast. Who the hell is Morph? That's a
1: great question. Morph Never is, heard is of like...
3: I was going to ask. Yeah, he's... <laughs> this dude, he's like just sitting in the rec room. He's watching TV. And he's shape-shifting into various different, you know... Ah, uh, public figures that he's watching on the television.
2: Just a fuck uh, the Jubilee.
3: Yeah, one of them being uh, we we meet. Uh, I believe it's during the scene. Senator Robert Kelly, mm-hmm. an out an outspoken anti mutant politician, mm-hmm. um, who has some strong words about the recent events and and the rise of mutant kind in society. And morph transforms into him and and has the great line. My fellow Americans, I am an idiot. So <laughs> we get the sense he's a bit of a practical joker. More, but who is this guy? This is not an established X Man. This is not a Jim Lee character by any means. A lot of people were like, "Why are they adding original characters to this series <laughs> when Man. they have they a have cast plenty of, of characters to draw on? Yeah. this is bullshit. Of- <laughs> it is this bullshit. sucks. What is this crap? Well, guess what morph was originally slated to be a different character called thunderbird Oh, hmm, thunderbird was notable for kind of two things one being uh he was a member of the second generation of x-men when the series was relaunched in the mid-70s and number two uh he died on his second outing as an x-man so very quickly killed off uh, he
0: morphed himself all the way to the grave.
2: Oh,
3: he wow. sure did. He went and
2: morphed himself. a grave. A grave, too. He was <laughs> also, out of a
1: canon. <laughs> we also so should sad. mention, he was an Apache Native American as well.
3: As his name would imply, yes. Oh. And, and this is... Oh. <laughs> he had a horrendous laugh This is, well. <laughs> is going to become important because why do we not use... Thunderbird in his same capacity as he was yeah. in the comics. Yeah. Well, not to get ahead of ourselves, but let's just say Morph is not going to be long for this uh, series. <laughs> oh
2: shit! Okay.
1: And <laughs> I was going to say it's because we already had too many.
2: guys dies.
1: <laughs> and you see, um,
3: again, getting back to broadcast standards and practices, this is a kids' show. Mm-hmm. They weren't so. They weren't so much uh, objecting to the idea of of killing someone. I'll just go out and come right out and say it. But they did think it was a bad look to kill the show's only Native American
5: true. character
3: yeah, representation. True. Yeah, So they're like, are you sure? And they're like, alright, well, we don't have to use him. Mm-hmm. So people think Morph was an original character just slotted in. He's not actually. He is a deep cut from the Silver Age, from the oh, yeah. 60s x-men comics yeah originally he's based on a character called the changeling exact Mm -hmm. same powers he is morph and everything but name and he did die in the 60s it's a kind of a long and drawn out story he was impersonating professor x while professor x went underground to do something it's not important Mm -hmm. but changeling had a terminal illness (laughs) And he ends up dying while still posing as Professor X. Oh, shit. All all of the X-Men think that Professor X is dead.
2: Oh, Uh, that's pretty good. All
3: of that, everything I just said was was an explanation inserted well after the fact because they decided to bring the very dead Professor X back to life. Of course. This was Mm -hmm. a massive, massive retcon. The first of many in X-Men comics character (laughs) history. Anyway, a lot of people didn't know that in 1992 because... This was a character from the 60s, hadn't been seen since then. There weren't, There's no Google, there's no Wikipedia, there's no way of just looking this shit up. So this person everyone thought was a totally original creation, turns out he's not, and he's going to serve a very specific purpose that we will get to. Um, but for now, Good. he's a prankster, he's a shapeshifter, uh, Wolverine seems to take a liking to this guy, they're buds. And, um, yeah, so, all right, we've pretty much met our central cast at this point, and Professor Xavier wants to send the X-Men on a mission because he doesn't like uh, what's going on with this mutant control agency. He thinks things are really heating up, that there may be a conspiracy against mutants. Again, he takes pains to say it's, it's not coming from the government themselves. It's this private agency. The mutant, agencies. Agencies. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, the mutant
2: Control Agency. Yes.
3: Yeah. The Mutant Control Board. How
2: are they empowered, if not by the government?
3: That's if not, not by the... Sure. I know. Well, here's the thing. In the comics, this is based on the Mutant Registration Act, right. which is a, a piece of legislation that spun out of the Days of Future Past right. storyline in the early right. 80s. And that gave us um, the Mutant... Uh, the Mutant Registration Act essentially was saying we're going to put all of you on a list, okay? Mm-hmm. Which historically
1: has ended badly for
3: bad, a lot bad, of,
2: bad things happens on a the lot list. of people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, um, so you you that's mean, what all this is. End up on Santa's naughty list. That's right. where I
2: always end up, Keithy. Yeah, or the list well. of Jericho. <laughs> you just beat the list. That one be the list.
3: <clears throat> if we all make the list though, it's it's kind of like how we're all gonna be parting in hell when we, when right. we die. Of so course. Right, it's not what such a bad thing. Um uh, yeah, so anyway, Professor X is gonna dispatch the X-Men to destroy these files on mutants that the mutant control mutant control agency has amassed because he feels they are overstepping their bounds at this point and Cyclops isn't totally on board with this. He kind of thinks maybe they're on the level. You know, this is an organization that has been Mm -hmm. set up to help mutants. Um, so isn't this kind of a bad look for the team, especially when they're not really dumb
2: Cyclops?
3: Well, they're not publicly known as superheroes at Mm -hmm. this point. So it's Mm -hmm. like, aren't we gonna like be I don't know, perceived as terrorists if we do this? And uh Professor X is like, I've made my decision, basically. So do it, bitch. Cyclops in this show is very stoic and very stuck up and very mm-hmm. uptight. Yep. Yep. Your face that is in keeping. Well, yeah. that is in keeping with 90s Cyclops from the mm-hmm. 90s, uh, from the 90s comics, I should say. Mm. And um we're gonna see we're gonna see a lot of growth from these characters over the course of the series. And I think notably from him, we're gonna see exactly why he's the leader of this outfit, really. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always going to be a bit of a stick in the mud. He's always going to be the team dad, but you will understand better when all is said and done why he's in charge of this group. And he is coming into conflict with Wolverine, uh, over and over They're butting heads. Wolverine's gone off on his own. He says, I'm going to find Jubilee myself. Fuck it. Cause she's run off. She's fled the mansion. Mm-hmm. She got a little bit of a pep talk from storm, but she's not really feeling all this. Right.
2: Well, she and got kidnapped, gone, right?
3: Yeah, and then she's gone and gotten herself kidnapped mm. uh, again by the Sentinels. We then meet uh, he, Henry Peter Gyrich, a lot, lot of uh, words. HPG,
2: yeah. HBG.
3: Such an asshole. You know, <laughs> such, a, such a small little man who is a, a bureaucrat. Uh, like He that. basically That's runs. <laughs> he runs the Mutant Control Agency, right? Mm-hmm. He also is a character from comics originated in Avengers comics. He was their liaison to the government, but has also mm-hmm. had stuff. He's also had various run-ins with mm-hmm. mutants and, uh, and X-Men comics. He's a bit of a, he's a bit of an asshole, but he's not the out and out villain that he's presented as in, in this series. And he's working with a guy, Bolivar Trask, who is the inventor. Bolivar. Of the, you know, <laughs> what a name. Yeah.
0: A bad he's name. a Silver
3: Age character, so he, he's gonna have he a weird name. He is
2: the um, he is Peter Dinklage, correct from the movie.
3: Uh, yes, in uh, the yes. Days of Future Past film, yes. Okay. Uh, yes. Trask is played yep. by. Well, it's weird. He's played by Peter Dinklage in that movie. He's played by Bill Duke, and yeah, X-Men, the last that's
1: season. right. Yeah, God. Right. So I don't know. Try to square that one. Um and I think he's also I think he's also in the first X-Men. Um is he? Yeah, he's he's the guy that he's the guy that's on the helicopter with um Senator Kelly that Rebecca. Okay, Roman- that's Gyrick. That's that's, that's Gyrick, Gyrick, not yeah. Trask. Yeah, that's
3: meant to oh, be am sorry. Rick, yes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was yeah. confusing the I apologize. It's and it's Mystique actually impersonating him, but presumably that's who the guy is is meant to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. so Gyrick is in the first film, Trask is played by different actors in other films. Anyway, Gyrick explains to Trask that they capture Jubilee because it's just meant to be um, a test of how well the Sentinels are performing to see how they will do against um, even more powerful mutants such as the X-Men, whom he does not know much about other than a soundbite from Gambit. <laughs> Warning, don't mess with the (laughs) X-Men.
1: You don't want to mess with the X-Men.
3: So Jubilee's like, F you. Meanwhile, the X-Men are going about their mission to destroy uh, the mutant files. So they split off into two different groups. You've got Storm leading Wolverine, Beast, uh, and a a Morph inside the compound. Uh, And basically the show ends on a rather abrupt note where mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Quite. <laughs> they are about to be descended upon by various armed guards. And mm-hmm. we get a, a very quick, like to be continued as storm is about to open the door and be met with a hail of gunfire, presumably. So it's like, Oh crap. Where do we go from here? Well, we have to wait for our next episode to get into part two of Night of the Sentinels. Whoa. It's a
2: perfect cliffhanger, honestly. Yep. I mean, what little kid is not going to be like, I'm holy like, shit, what happens next? This is terrible. How
3: can you stop us there? Yeah, right? it's,
2: it's very abrupt, yeah. but kind of genius. Yeah, honestly. it's
0: totally by design. I mean, yeah. it makes perfect sense to leave it on a cliffhanger like that.
2: A few of my favorites, um, just from the episode, like character-wise, Rogue, I love her. I've always loved her. Um, I love her accent. I love her personal (laughs) touch that she puts into. um, Because, like along the way, they don't do exposition as much as they do. Like they, they hide it with the characters own stories mm-hmm. right so they mm-hmm. do like through their
3: voice their very distinct voice they tell yeah. a
2: story that tells you something about them and right. it's not so like comic booky um, yeah. so she kind of yeah. says like the first boy I ever kissed on was in a coma or whatever mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, so you get like hints of their powers and stuff like that I thought Storm's powers look really cool like she yeah. looks so badass in the show and um when she controls the weather it's just the best like i i love it I, I mark out for it every time um and and professor x very much a back seat in this episode yep. mm-hmm. definitely compared to pride of the x-men um which i will kind of compare it to a little bit because i don't know was yeah, kind of the too. predecessor yeah. um but With all that you got, all the all the Professor X you got in that episode, he is just nothing in this episode. Like, not really.
3: Yeah, no, it's definitely
2: more about the team than it is about X. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Mm Um, I had one other point. Um, Jubilee also not as annoying as a point of view character as I thought that Kitty was. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And That's then, then you get the danger room name drop, which I really do like. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm hmm. Yeah. So and we're introduced he, to that right from the jump. Yep.
2: And and even though you don't know much about Jubilee, you get you you know she's uh, a foster kid. You know that she cares about her parent, her foster parents even though they said she's only been with them for a year she cares about them she goes back to check on them and that's why she gets abducted Mm -hmm. um, right she
3: says she has to make sure they're okay after the sentinel initially tried to um attack her at her home uh with with them
2: i think the human and mutant bonds are important In the show and that's something that I Want to like kind of keep track of As we go to see if they decrease Any because The human mutant bond Is what keeps these mutants Quote unquote good In my opinion like Mm -hmm. It's what kind of Grounds them to wanting To have a Quote unquote normal life and With the humans As opposed to fighting against them Which is what we just kind of automatically get to by the end of this kind of debut episodes.
3: Yeah. Well, and it's what the X-Men are working towards, right? What exactly. is Xavier's dream but peaceful coexistence, harmony between mutants and and baseline humans. And you can't really have that if these this team of superheroes is going to be just isolated Right. living in this mansion totally cut off from humanity it, it doesn't work right uh, or, or it doesn't you, seem genuine
2: if you're just around empowered people all the time then all, all you start to think about is you know what powers do you have and you mm-hmm. don't it's
3: like a group not, think situation yeah,
2: you're not thinking about like the humans that you're protecting and i like that the x-men try to always gear themselves toward that
3: Mm -hmm. yeah it's central to really what's what the driving force of this show is is Mm -hmm. that that they never wanted to lose sight of just the human mutant conflict it's one thing to have mutants fighting good mutants fighting bad mutants all the time that's Mm -hmm. sort of what we got in pride of the x-men and certainly we'll see that um throughout this series but it's always through the lens of what does this mean in the context of the larger, you know, race relations question of right. like, how, how is this going to be perceived by humanity? Like, is this setting us back or moving us forward? Right. And these are questions the show will always be concerned with and hopefully we'll not lose sight of. It's something, yeah, I agree. We should, we should continue to observe Jenny.
2: And I love that Gambit call. Oh no! That Wolverine calls Gambit gumbo.
3: Gumbo, yeah. yes, that was, sure.
0: yep, that was great. Gumbo was awesome. Uh, Wolverine also mocking Gambit's accent in the Danger Room. Just say yes. uncle. Um, just say so. uncle.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> that was really good.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: And uh, Gambit calls. Um, Jubilee Petit. Petite
0: Petite, yeah. Petite, Petite yeah. is uh-huh. her little
2: her little this nickname. It's so cute. Yeah. It's, it just he is such a fully developed character from scene one. Yep, he's a flirt, right. he's uh-huh. Cajun, and he's got the magic cards. <laughs> I've always That's wanted all to, you need to know I've always about
3: him.
0: I've always wanted to throw cards like Gambit.
2: They're oh, awesome.
3: absolutely. And, uh, you've all, and you've tried, I'm sure, haven't we all? Oh, tried 100%. Oh, my God, a thousand times. <laughs> it doesn't work, does it? No,
0: it turns no. out regular playing cards don't blow up like that.
3: Well, you're not Gambit. So, and you also just, can't you throw them in just... a
1: straight line. I can't transfer <laughs> cosmic just, like, power
5: into these things? Why <laughs> no. God damn it.
1: But even just, like, his ability to, like like, the flick, where he flicks it and it what goes straight, flip? like... Yeah, I can't do the yeah. flick either. You but... can't
3: throw it in a straight line. Exactly. What? No. What is this? Uh, I, the one character I I do think is a little, I don't want to say off, but was a little bit uh <laughs> jarring the first time around, and sort of remains so. Is as much as I do love Storm in this series. Um, the little soliloquies. She she's very poetic and when she manifests extremely. her powers, it it almost sounds like she, it's like a form of spell casting or something, or she she's, right. she's mm-hmm. conjuring some kind of sorcery, or I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Which Maybe is she feels
2: not, that way when when she feels the power, like she when has she
3: feels like it, yeah, she just has to. Yeah. she she's very. I, I she's very I always, theatrical, right?
1: Well, yeah. I always I always said as as much as. Professor X looks like uh Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like Storm at least in the animated series is just is is a cross between Angela Bassett and Maya Angelou. Mm. Like it's just it's Angela Bassett <laughs> with, dear, her,
6: with the Maya poetry. Angelou. Now uh, I'm picturing, her poetic,
1: her yep. now I'm picturing Maya
0: Angelou conjuring up storms and that's a visual yeah. did need to... but
1: it's just if you think of it's like I always look at Angela Bassett as just like, I am woman, hear me roar. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and that, yeah. That is a thousand percent Storm, which is a shame that Halle Berry was never able to master that because, oof. Yeah. yeah. I liked her. Well, I liked her. I mean, I liked I mean, her, but she's not, she wasn't like, the girl that plays Storm in the Apocalypse movie seems ugh. to have, seems but seems to have more of the... uh the presence of an Angela Bassett, Jenny's you know. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, it's
3: not, not the
4: worst. Uh, it's not the worst superhero yeah. uh, Halle Berry's portrayed. So, at oh, least oh, does point. that so. well, to help the point.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, Keith, to your point, I just remember all of the fan casts from the '90s. Every list you would see of oh, do Angela Bassett Always Patrick Stewart. Always, always, always Angel Bassett. Yeah. yeah. What so, about
0: Ma- was Maya Angelou ever there? <laughs>
3: uh, maybe providing the voice. maybe <laughs> yes, he was the writing voice. the script. <laughs>
5: yeah.
3: oh. but, she was the poet laureate of X Men. Right.
4: Tim, I have a question for you. Um, uh-huh. Is there any character that was left out that you would have put in this uh, a premiere episode? Uh, like, is there any main yeah. kind of guy from the comics that you thought was thought should have had a slot here?
3: Hmm. I Jenny, do think their, <laughs> yeah, I do think their choices are are pretty on point as far as yeah. if mm-hmm. you had to limit it to what you were working with from the comics. I think there's there's definitely more potential in a character like Nightcrawler I was going to say Nightcrawler I, I see Nightcrawler. why they but it's weird because it's like I see why they didn't use him because he's mm-hmm. not an X-Man at the time in 1992 mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. he's off he's off in Europe he's on Excalibur granted an X-Men spinoff but it's like he almost would feel out of place on, on this team because you're reading the comics going okay yeah it's the blue team Plus, you know, Storm and Gene, that's fine. But mm-hmm. what the hell is Nightcrawler doing here? Right. But looking back on it and seeing Nightcrawler as such an important, mm-hmm. like, major X-Men character, it's it's sort of weird to think that he's really only a guest star in a few yeah. episodes in the right. show. So that's that, the one I'm, hmm. yeah.
2: And that Gambit is a major player is always weird to me because I always consider right. him an, right. an ancillary X-Men. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and he was so new at the time, but
2: mm-hmm.
3: I guess that was to his advantage. He was new, but he was he was also hot. He was the All new right. hot character. He is so hot, agreed. And he is he's very sexy, right? So the showrunners uh, were
0: big fans of throwing playing cards. Yeah. And look,
3: Gambit and Rogue were a big thing in the nineties. That Ooh, was such a yeah. huge, Absolutely. huge soap opera yeah, melodrama, yeah, cool. romance Like, yep, you couldn't get enough of it. I can't so wait to talk had, about that. Throw mm-hmm. yeah, those playing cards
0: in my... Oh, never mind.
1: Oh, hey, oh, oh my God. goodness. Hey, now.
3: But yeah, You're I mean, I me? can see, like, <laughs> you can leave out Archangel. You can leave... I mean, I know he was kind of a hot character, too, but yeah. the Bloom was sort of off the rose by, by 92. Um, Bishop was still super new, but he's going to be in a lot of episodes mm-hmm. of the show. Yeah. So it's like he'll still get some shine. Colossus is one that, for such a long time... X Men member and and you know dating back to to the seventies, he's only in two episodes of this entire series, which is mm. oh, well. and he's like never even in his yeah he's like never even in his costume either. It's he's the one if they shortchanged anybody, I think it's probably Colossus. But
0: what did uh, what know. did Colossus sound like when he found out he was getting shortchanged there, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> that was so loud your damn audio cut out. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Amazing.
1: <laughs> it was so loud went, it
4: faded there for a minute. It was
1: like, <laughs> Tim Tim changed and broke his microphone. <laughs> oh, I might have. Can you still hear? It? It yes, sounded like, you're good, oh, I think you broke
3: you your just vocal went cord.
0: Never, never mind his microphone. I'm worried about his damn vocal cord. <laughs> <away>. <laughs> but it sounded like it. was
5: almost
1: broke. like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like was a like very <laughs> It was a very violent burp.
4: It was almost like you were so hoarse that you like started to yell, yeah. and then your voice just went like one thousand. Like, pardon, we'll, we'll blame me
0: for that one. That's my That was problem. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's uh, like it started
4: and it just died.
3: It was. Oh so awesome.
4: <laughs> he was very right.
1: outraged.
3: Yeah, he, he was. was. <laughs> Nonetheless, was so all right. Peaceful. So, like <laughs> I
2: said, or I think Tim said, one of us said, we could talk one about I this said. for probably four years. So we need to probably
5: wrap it up wrap
2: it it up Um, somehow wrap it up i know you wanted to talk a little bit about what the comics were like at the time so this seems like very
3: briefly very 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 briefly um it's kind of crazy because you think 1992 uh the month of october what are the x-men comics like at that point like if you if you went to a comic store or even a newsstand at the time and said i love this show i want to pick up some x-men comics now see what those are like um, they would have had you fairly perplexed, <laughs> and that I could tell you <laughs> that was the case for me because what was on the stand, real quickly, I'm going to run through Uncanny X Men 295, X Factor number 85, X Men that's an ejectiveless X Men number 15, <laughs> X Force number 17. These four issues collectively <laughs> are parts five through eight of the executioner song crossover a 12 part crossover over the span of four different series uh from the fall of 1992 that it is truly matt to use uh to use your word it is byzantine
5: Oh mm-hmm.
0: wow! It is
3: all. Over
5: <laughs> I'm sure
0: that's I hate of, it. Yeah. I hate it when things are Byzantine.
3: <laughs> bringing in like the, all of these enigmatic characters, the, these new villains like Strife, who's a guy in a suit of armor made of knives. Basically, <laughs> mm-hmm. he looks identical to Cable for some reason. So what's the deal there? Cable's the cyborg with a mysterious past. We na- now need to learn more about that. And hey. What's the deal with Mr. Sinister reappearing? All of these characters are wrapped up in this one storyline. And I mean, it was for someone who, again, was not a regular reader of X-Men comic. This was like both impenetrable, but but also for some reason, very alluring to me. Because I was like, I don't really understand any of this, but it's got a lot of really cool action And it makes me want to learn more. It makes me, in fact, desperate to learn more about what's going on because there is so much going on here that I just don't know about. And I now must know. I just, I couldn't get enough, right? So it's using like the weird, almost, um, the way that X-Men is not always, uh, shall we say, new reader-friendly, it's mm. using that as a draw, really. At least that's the effect it had on me as a then, you know, t- what, 10-year-old kid um, and thinking, like, I, I got to have more of this so that I can mm. understand it. Uh, you also had Wolverine, number 63, dealing with a lot of shit from his past. Uh, Excalibur, issues 58 and 59. Now, one of those is notable for having art from... A guy by the name of Joe Madureira, who would ultimately become the new hot artist uh, later on in the years after, you know, Jim Jim Lee has since moved on. We're sort of sort of in a holding pattern right now. Um, Joe Mad is going to step up to the plate big time later in the '90s, and he cut his teeth on uh, these couple issues of Excalibur. Finally, we have Marvel Comics presents. Why am I mentioning this? Because it, it essentially functioned as a secondary Wolverine title. It was an anthology book, but it always had a lead story featuring Wolverine. And this these issues, numbers 118 through 119, had a very bizarre Wolverine versus Venom uh, story with art from the very trippy Sam Keith, a guy who who was known primarily for The Max, if you remember that uh animated series from MTV was it, it wasn't Liquid Television, it was uh, what was the other one they had? Oddities or whatever? Anyway, 90s animated series on, on MTV, The Max, and also Independent Comic. Uh, that artist did this Wolverine story. So pretty cool stuff happening there. Um, but, I mean, yeah, to go from this show as a little kid to actual x-men comics would throw you for a loop i bet um, familiar characters yes but plots that are, are rather divorced from what you're seeing on the screen um i also took down like if this you know this particular premiere you know was it drawn from any specific x-men issues or storylines and as near as i could I could pin it down. Um, Jubilee's first appearance in X-Men comics was Uncanny X-Men 244. It takes place in a mall. She's basically following the the X-Women who are there like on a shopping excursion kind of thing. But there's mm. no fight with a Sentinel. There's none of that stuff. Okay. Um, so l- loose, but there's connective tissue there. And I also have down uncanny x-men 158 this never comes up when people talk about like maybe serving as inspiration for the the first episode i don't know why because it features the x-men going on a mission to destroy government files on mutants um much like uh you know the the second half of this premiere is going to feature. It's an early appearance from Rogue as a villain. Um, so she is oh. actually fighting the X-Men in that issue. And it has uh, Carol Danvers, after mm-hmm. she had basically gotten her shit pushed in by Rogue, as now <laughs> a de-powered, yeah, depowered civilian character who has joined the, the supporting cast of X-Men. So she's in that issue as well. So a lot of things that would be of interest to people who are Maybe MCU fans, right? Where you've got some Carol Danvers stuff in there. You've got X-Men action, you've got Rogue, but as a villain, pretty cool issue that, again, doesn't get cited enough when people uh, look back on this premiere. Beyond that, we talked about uh, what characters, you know, we meet are featured characters. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, first appearances for Professor X, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Wolverine, Storm, Beast, Rogue, Gambit, Morph, Jubilee. Those are going to round out our X-Men. Uh, Senator Robert Kelly would be a antagonist at least throughout this first season. We mentioned Henry Peter Gyrick and Bolivar Trask, and not exactly characters, but the Sentinels who will menace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mutants throughout this first season as well a couple of uh cameos some easter eggs some some stuff in the background well we're greeted the first shot of this episode is saber of all people on a rampage in the middle of the street he's throwing around cop cars and whatnot Uh, We also see some monitors in the X-Mansion. I guess they're just, I don't know, detecting mutant activities or Mm -hmm. we don't really get an explanation there. Just little quick cuts. We see uh, Domino, a member of uh, X-Force at the time. We see Magneto. Holy shit. He's going to come back around in a big way. And we see Cannonball, also another member of X-Force. Nice. And that's what I've got in terms of our... uh, Background appearances, cameos, Easter eggs, whatever you want to call them.
2: all right, well, um what we decided to do in rating these episodes is we're doing um instead of stars, we're doing X's because look, it's the fucking x- men mm-hmm. so yep um, out of five X's, where you land on night of the Sentinels, part one, Tim?
3: I don't know. I don't know how I can't give it five out of five X's. has got to be five X's. Absolutely got everything right. And from the get-go, which is so, so hard. They had so many things working against them, but they stuck to their guns. And for this to be the result is, is just incredible. It's uncanny that they, oh. they got it. They got it this dead on out of the gate. Can't do any better. I, I just... The minor criticisms I have, I still understand the creative choices behind them, so I'm not going to fault them.
2: Right. What about our panel? Uh, damn it, Logan, where are you at on your X rating?
3: <laughs> damn it, Logan. I don't have really any
4: context, so um, I-, I thought it was really strong. It introduced everybody. Uh, kind of showed what their powers were. Kind of like y'all talked about throughout. Um, I liked a lot of the fight scenes. I liked the. F- part in the mall I felt like that fit the time period a lot the 90s that's a big thing that a lot of people did hung out uh, at malls and stuff like that so uh, I just I think it was really strong uh, It and like y'all said that it, it leaves you with that cliffhanger at the end so mm-hmm. you kind of Kind of want to definitely watch the next, which I actually did. Uh, I was a bad, bad, bad person <laughs> on, uh, on, on this time. Sorry, I, I just couldn't <laughs> help myself. Um, it was so enticing, but like yeah, like y'all said, it was just it hooked you in, and you immediately wanted to watch that uh, that next one. So um, yeah, I'll go five out of five too.
2: What oh. about you, Dark Beastie?
1: I would uh, oh, honestly, you- I would give it um, five. Blue stars and five gold stars representing oh, mm-hmm. 10 stars. All
2: right,
0: wow! Dark beastie coming from Japan over there with all the snowflakes,
2: <laughs> Sue's Billy.
0: Uh, Suze Billy, that's me. I mean, yeah, I, I think uh, for a pilot, it's just about everything you want. And then some like just all the shit they were able to pack into 22 minutes of this mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. It- it's nonstop. It does not let up at all. And it goes by so quick that it's like, oh shit, like this is over already. Just the amount of stuff they fit into it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it- I really enjoy. i had seen it before prior to watching it here uh, for this show, but I uh, really enjoyed it again here. So yeah, I will also go, uh, uh, X five. See what I did there.
2: Across the board. Now I feel like we like. What do Damn. we go from here? we well. To so go to a
0: ten star scale, of... like Keithy did.
3: Match.
2: Well, I'll
3: just put it this way: I don't exactly think the second episode is a drop in quality. I, right. yeah. you know, if we were are to all of our episodes
2: that... going to be five X? <laughs> no,
3: no. Yeah. This, I mean, we do get to a point where it's like, but. Okay. What are we doing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, this. I mean, it's just so the writing is so slick mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. in this pilot, and and they it's had so to hard be. to do. Her a pilot. job was on the line, right. Right. Like exactly. You said.
2: She yep, put her yep. fucking job up for this show. Yep.
3: And... Well, and think like you could you could make a, a finished product that is this polished and this good, but maybe it doesn't hit. Maybe for, right. for whatever reason yeah. people are just like not right. into it. Maybe year or...
1: was on the line.
2: It was on right. the line.
3: Mm-hmm. But yeah, but luckily that had to feel it, good, it. right? That and we had could to talk feel good. More
2: about you know um, the reception of the show as we go along mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. and how well it does, which I don't think we've talked about previously when we were planning it, but that's something not that really. I would be interested in too.
3: Yeah, yeah we'll definitely get into that as, as we go along here. And, uh, of course we've got to talk about, you know, some of our excellent voice cast as well, which we we got into a little bit here, but we'll have more opportunities to dive into that. But,
2: um, already fully put put it on a cliffhanger, just like like this episode. Mm
3: -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah. Welcome to exposition officially. Uh, man we i feel like we can we can only go up from here because this show is it's gonna be the gift that keeps on giving at least up to a point at least up to a point
2: (laughs) all right um so i think this is gonna cliffhang us right here and then we will pick back up uh on our next episode with night of the sentinels part 2 excited for that uh we may see some of our panel members again we may not we're just going to mm-hmm. be rotating people out. So thank you, damn it, Logan and Suze Lee and the Dark Beastie uh, for joining us tonight. Tim, is there anything that you want to promote really quick?
3: Uh, just another comics-related podcast, I would say, over on our sister network. That is Placeme Nation Pop. I do a show called Traitors of the Lost Arcs where we talk some old comics, some hidden gems, some things that are maybe underappreciated. From the comics medium. So that is myself, uh, Sean Kidd, Scott Shiflett, and Andy Atherton. And our most uh, recent episode of that, uh, you, can, you can find today uh, available on, again, Place Nation and Pop. It was looking at Daredevil Volume 5, issues 10 through 14, a storyline called Dark Art. And introduced a new, very menacing, very creepy Ooh. villain called Muse. I had never read this before, but um, we all enjoyed it quite a bit. Spoiler alert. So listen to us unpack that comic from that storyline from 2016 in comics on Traders of the Lost Ark. Nice. I think that'll do it for my purposes i'd do some other shows but i'm keeping it keeping it <laughs> comics right now jenny how about all that? all right
2: keeping comics uh i'll just keep it jenny uh with the jenny position on wednesdays on the north south connection i got freak out In coming up really soon in the month of october super stoked for that already started recording those episodes and they're super great so uh listen to those and follow me on Twitter X Twitter I guess we can call it On mm. this show since it fits mm. with our theme I guess. Uh, And follow <laughs> all of our panelists uh, As well You can find them on there uh, Thank you for listening and thank you Margaret
3: Thank you Margaret
6: Damn it Logan But every time I turn around, cats got their hands out, something some me. I ain't got it, so you can't get it. Let's leave it at that, cause I ain't it. Hit it with full strength, I'm a jail, so I face the world like a girl in the bullpen. You against me, me against you. Whatever, whenever what you gon' do, I'm a wolf in sheep clothing. Only that you know, you can chill, come back and get the streets open. I've been doing this for 19 years. Wanna fight me? Fight these tears. Put in work and it's all for the kids. Uh. But these cats done forgot what work is. Uh They don't know.